Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited to get this guest on the show as they are tearing through the Can West U Sports, and we even got to see them at the Can Am. Uh, this athlete grew up in Edmonton. He's been a part of our junior national team and has three U Sport gold medals and three Canada West gold medals. Welcome to the show from Trinity Western, Jacob Kern. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you guys get a bye week, and I've kind of interrupted it by uh, asking for an interview, <laughs> but I'm glad you could make the time. Oh yeah, I know. Got lots of time when we're not playing, so it's all good. <laughs> Perfect. So give us a rundown of uh, your schedule this year. It seems like Trinity's done a lot of travel, right? A pretty busy preseason, and then you survive first semester just to come to the Can Am, and then you play McMaster, you play Brock, and now you're into a, a big fight of the second semester. It looks like a busy season for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a long uh, long go. Actually, our preseason this year was probably the most laid back one we've had in a while. Just not going out east or doing a bunch of tournaments, but we still found a way to keep it pretty busy. And then the Can Am and the East Coast, a couple games with Mac and Brock definitely uh, shorted up the Christmas break. But I mean, it's good. You don't want to be away for too long, get too rusty. So no, it's been fun. Now, with you growing up in Edmonton, uh, what was your recruiting process like? Did you consider any other schools? Like, uh, did U of A kind of give you an offer, or what made you decide that Trinity was the spot for you? Um, yeah, I kind of, well, growing up was, like, U of A was my favorite school. I dreamed of going there, like, watching all those guys, like Riley Barnes, Brett, uh, Taylor Arnett, like, all those guys, those were kind of my idols um, growing up, and then getting to play with them, just around Edmonton and everything I was like yeah I want to want to go to U of A and then grade 12 came around and I had already been talking with Terry and Brock and I asked like hey so is there still a, a spot available for me and I was uh, pretty disappointed when they said no um, they had signed a couple other guys my age um, and they said no if you maybe want to go play college for a few years um, and then come, we'd have a spot for you. But right now we just didn't. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I was pretty disappointed, but um, eventually went out to Trinity on a recruit visit. And my visit was just so much fun. Had an absolute blast just being out here and like in the dorms with the guys and stuff. It was just so much fun. And I was like, okay, this is where I want to want to be. And then ended up playing really well on the recruit visit and, Ben wasn't super like I wasn't one of his uh, high high prospects <laughs> coming in, but then I guess I played pretty well in the recruit visit, and he offered me a spot, and yeah, so I was kind of history, and I haven't regretted it at all. So now you mentioned that you had watched U of A a little bit. So were your parents a big part in letting you kind of fall in love with volleyball, or were you the one really like pushing them to take you to games, or was there a club coach that kind of influenced you? Like, what made you choose volleyball as your sport? Um, mostly my dad, I would say like my mom was, um, very supportive in whatever I did, but in like grade seven, I didn't even want to play volleyball. I just wanted to play basketball and hockey. And then my dad had played volleyball growing up and then he kind of encouraged me to go try out and then eventually just kind of fell in love with it and then realized that I wanted to pursue it more and then just got more and more into it and would go to games with my dad and my brother's a big volleyball guy too. So we kind of grew up in that volleyball scene, which was pretty awesome. Now, when you landed on campus at Trinity, was there any vets that kind of showed you the way or does, does everybody just connect as a team and it, it all works from there? Like, can you think of what your 
first few days on campus were like and any kind of expectations you had or anything that stands out that kind of helped you uh, get into the thick of things? Because they had been competitive kind of before you got there and they've been competitive mm-hmm. since, right? Oh, yeah. Um, well, when I, like my first year, TK was the only fifth year that year. Um, and then his younger brother, Jordy, was our first year with me. So we had spent just a ton of time at their house because they're local, obviously. And uh, so me and TK became pretty good friends. And he kind of showed me what the uh, Trinity uh, program was all about. And all the old guys when we were when we were first there were just so great and kind of showing us what Trinity's all about in terms of volleyball and how the program is run and stuff. And definitely they had a big part in the like team's future success after they're gone. So yeah, I know very fortunate to have those guys around when I was young. Now we've had a few Trinity guys on the show. And and one thing that always comes up is just the intensity that uh, practice creates. Now, is that because there's so many talented athletes in the gym or is there something that uh, Ben Josephson and the other coaching staff does to kind of make you guys want to fight it out and compete and everything you do? Um, Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Ben obviously, has pretty uh, high expectations and demands on us for what practice looks like. But I think also like the young guys that are always brought in um, help just keep the competition up when we're doing like young guys versus old guys or bench starters or north side, south side, whatever you want to call it. Um, Like having those young guys that can actually push the older guys or like beat them in drills definitely uh definitely drives the competition for sure like you never you never get off easy in practice if you just kind of go through the motions because there's always some somebody coming for your spot or some young guy that's gonna outwork you so you gotta you always gotta bring your best to practice that's for sure yeah that was one thing that impressed me when we had eric lepke on the show is he he didn't shy away and he said there's been drills where he'll yell at Derek through the net and say hey get your slide to pick it up like this isn't good enough so um how have you guys built that trust and brotherhood that you guys are are on each other even though you just want to drill you can tell the guy across the net like hey you need to be better because this isn't good enough where i think on other teams you winning the drill is good enough and you're just going to be focused on what you're doing right yeah i think it's just like the i don't know like the team kind of standard like it's just something that's been built into the program by by Ben and then obviously the each uh, each class tries to further that um, legacy of competitiveness and excellence within practice and I think that just kind of is why you're there is to get better and if someone's not pushing you or if someone's uh, letting you beat them in a drill just without really trying then you got to get on it because it's like well I'm not getting better by doing this like I know you're better than that too like you need to you need to play better so I think everyone kind of has that like mutual respect within the team just because it's, I don't know, it's everyone wants to get better and that's why you're there. So if you're not getting better, then guys are going to get on you for that. So Now, do you feel your role has changed a lot since the first year to fifth year? Like is have any of the coaches or, or any of the vets that came before you kind of given you some tools that you could kind of grow into a leader? Like how has the program evolved since uh, you entered? Well, obviously like, when you come in, you're not going to be a big part of the like leadership group. So you definitely have to grow into that. And like, as older guys keep leaving throughout the years, like you each year get a bigger role within 
the team from a volleyball standpoint, obviously, but then also from like a leadership group and like from the culture side of it. Um, I'd say my, like the way I lead in practice probably hasn't changed a whole lot. Like I'm always trying to keep it pretty light and pretty goofy, but still like work really hard and not let anyone, um, get off easy. But I think it's definitely, I'm definitely more uh, outspoken now, uh, before I wouldn't really, um, care if someone was doing something just as a young guy, you probably feel that you don't really have the right to be talking to some of the old guys like that. But I don't I know. Definitely now, like if some guys aren't, uh, aren't doing well in practice or kind of slacking off, I'll for sure tell them to get their butts in gear. So <laughs> nice. Now, one thing I, I've enjoyed about interviewing all these Trinity guys is it seems like there, there isn't one way to do things that Benjo isn't really strict on something that we've asked about, like what the secret is. And I think all three guys have given us three different answers, right? So um, <laughs> is there something that, that either Benjo or the other coaches have told you that's really helped motivate you every day? Like Eric said, he was a big 20 mile March guy where Adam Scheimer was talking about uh, being accountable. Is there anything that the coaches have kind of given you that's really kind of ring true with you? I feel like a lot of it is they kind of tell you like, if you want to be successful at all, like in this sport, like you're in the environment to do it, but it's ultimately like on you to become that player. Like we can give you all the tools um, and we can give you all the coaching you need or want, but realistically it comes down to like you putting in the extra work and actually like working really hard in order to achieve what you've um, set out to achieve and what your goals are. So I think it's, I don't know, we talk about, um, like filling your bucket or, um, just kind of expanding your toolbox, which is ultimately like just getting better and better with all the skills and acquiring new skills and stuff. But at the end of the day, like you're the one that is going to need to use those skills and you're the one that's going to need to like work hard in order to achieve what you want. So I think that's, a lot of the accountability, I guess you're saying Adam was talking about, I think that's um, pretty big for me is just the accountability of if I'm not working hard, then I'm, I'm not going to be able to be the type of player that I want to be or have the type of future success that I want. And I mean, the coaches are so good with um, like the technical side of it. And like every little detail is just analyzed so well that, I mean, you're coached by some of the best coaches in Canada. So we're very fortunate for that. But um, the accountability for sure, I think is probably the biggest thing that I've found that has helped motivate me um, every day of practice. So with me being based in Ontario, I, I'm a big OUA fan, but I, I am amazed by the Canada West, mostly how you guys do the schedule, because I think it's it's really hard to beat the same team two days in a row. And we've had mm -hmm. other players on the show and talk about their prep. So I'm wondering, um, with you being a talented right side, what goes into your prep? Like, it, it can't be as simple as, oh, this worked on Friday night, so I'm going to do the same thing <laughs> Saturday, right? There has to be so many layers to this, right? So what do you personally yeah. like to do, or what do the coaches help you do to kind of be ready to go because like I said, playing the same team Friday night and being ready for a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night game, it can't be easy no matter the level of opponent, right? Oh yeah. I mean, like most of the, most of the teams in our league are, we are pretty competitive league. So each, each, uh, each game is going to be pretty hard. Like you're not going to be able to just go through the motions and have a good game or get a win. Like you got to put your time in. So, I mean, 
the, uh, we do a ton of videos. So the Saturday morning video, just analyzing the game, like Ben, um, really, he puts us in a great spot to do things that we didn't do as well on the Friday to do really well on the Saturday. I think that's a, a big thing. Like just going through, like, I usually like to watch all my attacks, um, after the Friday, just to see like how they were blocking me, um, where they were playing, um, their defenders and then what kind of worked for me that game that I can continue to do. And then also what could I have done better, um, the next night. And I find that that's probably the, one of the biggest things for stringing two good games together is just figuring out what you didn't do very well or what they did well to stop you. And then what you need to do, um, in order to play well against that setup. So I think a lot of guys are pretty, pretty into video just because Ben stresses the importance of it so much. And that's definitely a, a big, big help in being able to play two good games against two good or one good opponent, two nights in a row. So, um, Trinity's been famous, or famous, that might be over-dramatized a little bit, but you, you've had <laughs> grown a reputation of being a very good blocking team, and that goes back to even like the Rudy Verhoof days, right? So, with you being an outside mm-hmm. who's going to have a, a top matchup, obviously, for most of the games, right? Uh, what goes into your training? You mentioned the coaches are very technical, there's a lot of video, but how have you developed as a blocker since you got there? Because, like I said, it's been trending upwards for as long as I can remember about this Trinity team, we've been a good blocking squad. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Well, we definitely, it's probably one of the things that we work on the most is we just like, I'd say probably at least for 20, 30 minutes of practice, we're doing just strict like block defense drills. So we're just like tossing three balls to attacking side and then they'll just have to go against a reblock for 20 minutes. And then you just kind of work on your reads, work on your eyes. This year we've been really stressing the importance of eye work. Um, and I think that's been a big, big help for us recently is we've kind of gotten into a good groove. At first it was a little tricky because it was kind of changing some of the things that we were looking at, but now we've kind of figured out what that looks like. And then it's really starting to come together with just how we're watching the setter, how we're watching their attackers. Like it's, it's helped a lot. And I'm, I'm, um, Ben is just so technical with every little thing, like watching video, he'll pause the video at a random clip and be like, look at your eyes. Like you're not looking at the right guy. It's like, I can barely even see like my head. Like, how are you seeing where my eyes are looking? Like it's, like it's, uh, it's just so technical and it just like, I mean, it is a pretty big factor in volleyball and it's been a, a huge factor in our success over the years. So, I mean, it's uh, definitely something we put a lot of time into. That's for sure. Now I can I can edit this part out if you're not willing to share. But when you say I work, are you kind of the simple one that's kind of survived volleyball coaches for years? Is is ball setter, ball hitter, or is there something more advanced that you guys have found that's working really well? Um. Oh no, it's. I, I don't think this is a super big secret, but we definitely our main focus. So as blockers. Um, we see the pass obviously where it goes. Um, and so if it's off the net, then we kind of get a bit more relaxed and we're, we're fine. But, um, if it's on the net, then we're just, as soon as we know where the ball is going, then we stare at the setter and we just watch the setter. We don't care about anything else. And then once he sets the ball, then we just follow the ball to its apex. We watch it till it reaches its highest point And then, 
we go to the hitter and just see what his angle is and what his shoulders are telling us or whatever. But we, uh, that's been kind of a little bit different for us this year. That's, that's why it was a little tricky at first, but, um, the kind of philosophy behind it or reasoning behind it is that you're not blocking the hitter because the hitter's going to go to where the ball is. So if we know where the ball is going, then we're just going to go to the ball and then we'll move our hands to block the hitter. Um, and it's been, like, it's really helpful. Actually, it's, it took a while getting used to, to watching the ball for that long. Cause normally what, like every kid has been trained or as soon as the setter sets the ball, you just watch it for a little bit and then just go straight to the hitter. Um, so it's a bit different. Like you kind of had to, it, it just honestly makes you faster. Like it's, it's pretty helpful. And especially for high ball too, like getting a good read on where the ball is going. So the attackers like can't cross you over and beat you inside or like take you down the line. It's just, it's very helpful and aligning and getting good hands. And it's definitely helped us this year. Yeah, that's amazing because I hear, well, myself as a coach and I hear other coaches, we talk about it all the time. Like you talk about speed and angle of approach and what their arm swing is doing or any like mm -hmm. uh, physical tells you can get off somebody. And it sounds like you guys don't value that very high right now. No, well, it's not. Yeah, we just, it's not as important as where the ball is going. Because if we have our alignments on our game sheet that we're going to take this guy, just base angle, like put our, align our hands on his chest then we see where the ball's going and we know that his chest is going to be in that area of where the ball is going to go. Then we see where the ball's going. And then as soon as we know where the ball's going, we just look at the hitter, see if he's, I mean, if he's squaring up down the line then you just hold a bit, bit more solid of your edge. And then if he looks like he's going to try and beat you sharp, then you get a good solid press with your inside hand. And then you kind of just, it eliminates a lot of the guests, the guesswork. And I think it kind of takes away um, if some hitters do some funky things with their shoulders or with their hips, then it kind of takes that away. So it's, it's very helpful. It eliminates a bit of the guessing part of it. Now, would you say you're in a read system for most of the matches? Like when you choose to help out with either the middle or the pipe or the bick, or even choose to go triple, like, is, is that your call or is there certain game plan situations that would be a little bit more demanding on certain guys? Um, well, our, we are in full read always. Um, we never want to give away um, a blocker, give away a matchup, unless we have um, like a 100% tendency or like a called commit. So if we have some stats on a guy that he always gets set after 20 or right outside the technical, um, they run middle, then we'll call commit. But other than that, it's very like completely read based. We just chase, chase the ball and kind of just go from there. That's why I think we have a lot of success with that is because we are always trying to get four solid on every single ball, no matter what, unless we have the tendencies or we have, um, some hitter that's just absolutely torching us. Then we just got to go full release and then the middles can come just chase late or just full commit in the middle. So 
Now, is there ever a situation where you guys use your serve to link to the block defense? And what I mean by that is, is watching you guys a few times this year, it seems that a lot of guys have a spin serve they're comfortable with, but they can also go to the float. So I'm wondering what kind of cues up the decision to use either or. Is it, is it the strength of the receivers or does one set up certain plays or, or certain trap situations? Like what would demand one over the other, I guess? Yeah, no, we definitely, um, out of timeouts especially, um, we'll have – uh, we'll sometimes go to a float serve if we just want to set up a play, maybe serve behind the setter, make it a little tougher for them to set middle or right, and then just get a full release on the left side, or if we want to shorten up the pipe or something. But it's usually all um, just called plays. So we have like our serve targets for each game, but if we want to run up a play um, to try and force them into something or bait them into something, then yeah, we for sure have lots of guys that can just go to a tactical float or just take out an option. So definitely, definitely the two are linked, but not, not always, mostly just out of timeouts or if Ben calls a, calls an audible or something. So amazing. Yeah. Thanks for this look behind the curtain. Hopefully uh, Ben Joe doesn't give me a call and say, this can't ever air because <laughs> yeah. this is good stuff. But um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of it is evidence-based, and that's a credit to how hard the coaching staff works. But I, I am curious, um, we touched on it earlier on about the Can-Am or choosing to play McMaster and Brock when you're out here. So what do you guys do in situations where you don't have a lot of data on the other team? Like if you're playing, say, like Lewis uh, or, or Long Beach, how did you guys decide these situations? Or is that where your coaching staff really earns their reputation? Is they're, they're tracking this throughout the game and you're finding those situations while you're in the battle? Yeah, well, in can am and mcmaster and brock we like ben wasn't there um so we had it was just ben ball and joel and adam as our three or oh, jordan or um we uh, had those guys as kind of a four-man head coach but we didn't really have a ton of set um or specific game plan stuff like mostly our main um, game plan going into each game was just we're going to go full base and just run our base offense until we figure out something that they're doing um, tactically or purposely every single time and then we can adjust to that but mostly in all those games you're just going full base read and just kind of playing yeah not thinking a whole lot about different game plans that was it was a fun tournament for that so obviously it's special as a fan to get to go watch a Can-Am event, whether it's people were watching on the live stream or they're able to make it in person. Uh, what did it mean as a player to kind of come to a different event? And uh, it's kind of right after the first semester break, so you're kind of getting back into it. But it, was it nice to play teams you've never seen before and kind of the, the hype around youth sports versus NCAA as well? Oh, it was so much fun. I, it was, I think, a lot of guys' highlights of the year so far. Like it was, it was just a sweet tournament. Like getting to play those American teams and teams that we had never seen before, and athletes that we had only like heard of and watched on YouTube and stuff. Like it was just so much fun, and it was especially fun too. Just like we were kind of rusty. Like we weren't super clean. Um, new venue, new ball, new opponents. Like it was just fun to just like go out and compete and not really think about doing certain things. Like we just played and that was like the most, the most fun part of it was just playing against these sweet teams and just getting to compete against like the best teams down in the States and just not really think about certain things or overthink things. Cause it wasn't, I mean, it was a meaningful tournament, but in terms of regular season or nationals, it didn't really mean a whole lot. But it was, yeah, it was, it was so much fun for that. 
Now, how does uh, Ben Joe or the coaching staff or even the vets kind of manage expectations? And, and what I mean by that is you guys have, have won and you continue to win. But even little things like I noticed when I was at Can-Am, your match against UCLA, like it turned into a sold out game. And all of a sudden there's standing room and there's there's people on the track. Like at what point do you start to get attention to what's happening on outside, whether it be on social media or just the the branding that is Trinity, that people are excited to kind of come watch you guys? Or even some of the people we interviewed from the NCAA, they mentioned them by name, like like one of the big draws for them to come to the Can-Am is they want to play Trinity Western, right? So how do you guys mm-hmm. ever keep it moving forward and, and kind of have your expectations and standards versus like that, that little thing in your ear that says like, we, we've made it, we're established, we're ready to go. <laughs> well, I think like coming in, every guy knows what Trinity is about and kind of the hype around Trinity. But I think for a lot of those, like those moments and at nationals and, whatever it's all uh we're all just so like team oriented like we're all just each other's best friends we don't really care what's going on outside but in terms of like expectations we have very like our expectations every year to win nationals and if we don't win nationals that's basically a failed season like there's no second is good enough like it's if you're not winning nationals it's a failed season basically so i think we kind of always have that in the back of our minds in terms of expectations but for the hype we always talk about don't buy the hype and every year it kind of comes up down down the stretch for rank number one going into nationals or whatever um ben joe always tells us like don't buy the hype like whatever your family says your friends say what instagram is saying what twitter's saying like don't buy the hype like you haven't earned anything yet like you haven't won nationals yet like we haven't accomplished our goal yet so it's keep it keep it within the team like don't think you've won nationals in january or whatever like it's we very much try and keep a attitude of like humility i guess um throughout the season just so we don't let that stuff kind of get to our heads because that would be uh disappointing if we let that get to our heads kind of roll over don't really work super hard and then uh losing the national final or losing the can west semi and don't even make it to nationals like that would just i know how bad we would all feel if that was the case so i think we all try and keep each other pretty accountable to that and know what our main goal is so for you personally, or even from a, a team standpoint, was the offseason between the year when you guys uh, finished silver, which technically wouldn't have been accomplishing your goal, does that feel mm-hmm. different than coming back from being the defending champs? Like, uh, how do you guys manage that this is our goal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we were failures if we don't get that? You know what I mean? Like, uh, how, do, how do you manage that? Because you could still have a very good season and still accomplish a lot, but just because you didn't win the gold medal at the end of the day, I don't know if that should be reflecting on your identity and things like that, right? No, absolutely. I mean, well, after we lost that final in McMaster two years ago, like that was, I remember after that game, just being like, I never want to feel that like loss ever again. So I know like through the whole year and through the off season, like just always being reminded of that feeling and always wanting to work a little bit harder and realize that that's, uh, we let that one get away from us and that we've lost a really good team, but I know we didn't. We definitely didn't play to our to our highest level in that game, and I just remember thinking, like, I don't want to ever have that feeling again. But I know, you, like, you don't feel like you don't have an identity 
um, or you like you've lost your value because you haven't won a season, but it's more just like an internal thing. Like, oh man, like we failed and we messed up and that's on us. Um, and then last year after the final, like you definitely, you definitely have this feeling of accomplishment. It's like, yeah, like this is awesome. Like you played, played really well down the stretch, um, and accomplished our goal. And you kind of let that, let that sit for a little while and you feel really good about yourself. But then you realize like, okay, like on to the next one, you know, like it's all, we gotta win this year. So it's, and then I think about two years ago and that kind of reminds me of like, I don't want to feel that again, even though this feels so good right now, I know what it feels like to be on the other end of that. And I don't want to feel that ever again. So it's definitely motivating. And I know a lot of guys that have been, um, or that we're on that team um, definitely feel the same way. And it definitely pushes us to be better um, every week at practice. This is awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing this. I can see why you were recommended to be on the show. This is great. Yeah, So just, just my last question about the way you plan and and work through things. Uh, How do you stay connected to the goal then? Because like Benjo said, like you haven't won anything in, in January, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. when you're in those moments and it, it might be either fall ball or like, like you said, you come off a of can-am, like how do you keep plugging away and working knowing that nationals is there? Cause I, I think that's one thing that just people struggle with in general is connecting everything to a daily task versus nationals doesn't come till March. So how are you winning nationals on February 10th at practice or something like that? Right. Yeah. Well, we definitely, uh, like with the, with the success we've had, I mean, nationals is always like we need to be at nationals like that's our that's our goal so it's always like we kind of know we it's like if we're not playing well like we know that this isn't going to work come march or come february when we start playoffs you know so it's kind of like if we have a bad practice ben will he'll rip into us a little bit and he'll remind us that you know this isn't going to work in playoffs like you're not going to win a playoff series playing like this or even after games like if we're playing against maybe not the most competitive team and we don't play super great um he'll remind us he'll be like you know that's not good enough like you're not you're not going to win a playoff series playing that way because every single team in February and March is good. Right. So it's uh, a lot of it comes from him too, but a lot of it, like within the team, like we all, all have this motivation to win. Like it's, it, I don't think it's super hard for our group um, to stay motivated because, um, because of the like pressure, I guess that's put on us from uh program perspective you know like all the teams in the past that have won and have done so well um i mean we kind of feel the pressure that we need to perform and do that do that well and kind of um exceed or at least get to the standard that has been set in place before us and actually this year um i guess it pops up a little bit every year but this year ben has been uh, He's just been reminding us over and over and over again about the, I think it was the 2011 um, Trinity team that they ended up losing in the national quarter. And he said, like, this is one of the best teams that Trinity has ever had. Like, they were unbelievable. Like, Ben Ball, Steve Marshall, Dan JVD, like, all these guys that have gone on to do amazing things in volleyball. Um, and they had a great season. I think they might have only lost one game. Like they 
playing really well, but then kind of just thought, you know what, these guys are really good. Like, I don't think there are any other teams that can really hang with us. And then that national quarterfinal came around and they lost it. They were up 2-0 and then lost three straight. Um, and he reminds us of that a lot. And so he says, like, I know my mistake that year, but I also know that, like, the players, they didn't push themselves or didn't work hard enough in order to accomplish their goal. And I don't want you guys to have that same feeling after. So he reminds us of, of that a lot, saying, like, these guys lost in the quarterfinal and these guys were studs. So you guys better better make sure you're working hard in order to accomplish your goal or else it's not it's not gonna happen. So Awesome. Yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. So just to shift gears, uh, you've already been a part of the national team program and it's interesting there there are a few entry points in our national team. Like there are guys who get scouted either at like National Team Challenge Cup or whatever title we're calling that now. Uh, mm-hmm. and that kind of gets you on the junior national team or the youth national team. Was that your entry into it, like through a provincial team and then that National Team Challenge Cup, or were you identified and, and went to an open tryout, or what was your first kind of entry into the program? No, my yeah, my first um kind of national experience was the youth team after uh the 18u i guess is the ntcc in edmonton um i think it was the first year actually that the youth team uh started i'm pretty sure it, it was a lot different than what it is now like it was basically we had the tournament it was like a three-day tournament played like two or three games a day all like best of fives so by the end of it like you're just exhausted and then after the after the tournament, um, there was a selection. Like the, all the coaches of the provincial teams were told what athletes were going to be training um, with the youth team. So I got selected for that. Um, and then we literally trained, I think, for one day, and then went down to uh, went down to Iowa for the tournament. So it wasn't like a a big like. Oh, like this national team, like training for the full summer. Like we had one practice, I think, together, <laughs> and then and then we went down and played a tournament. But that was a lot of fun. And then junior team the next couple of years. So yeah. With that being the the way the youth team was selected, was that your first eye opener that you might not be physical enough to play at that level? Was that like your first eye opener that like because because Eric mentioned that that after one kind of selection camp like that, he realized he needed to work out more. Was that kind of your first introductory to? high level volleyball that that takes a lot of physical fitness to compete at that level oh yeah yeah absolutely i was pretty pretty long and lanky in high school (laughs) and even my first couple of years still i'm pretty lanky but um definitely like you go down to the states and you see these guys that are like six two six three six four but they're like just jacked and then you see the like tall like middles that have like way bigger arms than me and i'm like oh my goodness like these guys are actually huge like what the so definitely was a big eye opener and then even guys on our team too like um getting to play with some other guys around the country like it's like yeah i got a lot of work to do in order to be as good as i can be here be the best if i want to achieve that so yeah, what Definitely was that like before uh, before you get to university, right? Because you might see guys either on your own provincial circuit or at nationals. Like, what was it like going from battling it out and then having to be on the same team as these guys? Uh, it was honestly like there was. I think there was four four Alberta guys maybe on our team, 
Um, and most of them, like we had all played provincial team for the last couple of years together. And, um, so it was a lot of fun, but our youth team was, I was the right age. Like I was the, the proper age for it. But then like, I think over half our team was a year younger than I was. And most of the guys were from Ontario anyway. So I hadn't really known any of those guys super well or like even really got to play against a lot of them so it was honestly just a lot of fun like getting to hang out with a bunch of new guys that I'd never really met or like talked to you before and just get to see like how they played and how they trained and stuff so it was a lot of fun I we didn't really have any like there weren't any uh, guys that like didn't like each other like from previous years of playing against each other or anything like that so <laughs> that was that was good it was fun yeah, I'm trying to think who some of those guys would be because that was with like Dane and Shawan, Jordan Prayer. Is that around that age group? Yeah, that was that was that age group. So it was like, yeah, those guys, and then um, Sebastian Lethbridge was on that team. Um, Matt Passalent, um, Joel Rudd, um, Jesse like Elser Pierce, um, Matt Maudsley. Holy, that is a lot of Ontario guys. Yeah. It might be quicker to name the non-Ontario guys. Like. Yeah, honestly. Oh, Derek. Derek was on that team. Um, I think I'm probably forgetting one or two other people. But, yeah, no, it, it was mostly Ontario guys. And it sounds like a neat program because, you, like you said, you were kind of the first cycle to try that. But as we go down, up and down the names, it sounds like those are the same guys who were with you on the junior national team, right? Or at least the, the core of it yeah it was mostly like all the same guys like it was um well for first year junior team i think there was probably only like one or two differences i think like because cj gavlis made it oh man it might have been like basically the same team very very similar now, with you making the team and then you experience an injury with the team, how did that affect you that you, you kind of get that confirmation that you're one of the best players in Canada and you've made it and all of a sudden your, your opportunity to compete with the squad internationally is taken away just by kind of a fluke injury at the net, right? Yeah. Oh, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because that was, I think that was the quarterfinal. And then, yeah, so it was like early on in the first set too. And then we ended up winning that one. And then I think we played Cuba maybe in the semi or Brazil or something. Um, and it just sucked like watching, watching that game, not being able to help out. Cause I think we lost in four maybe. Um, and it just, it just sucked. And then we eventually did um, qualify for the worlds. Like that was a world's summer too. So seeing the guys like go over to check and do pretty well and get to play against all these like European guys that like now I'm watching play pro is like just so cool. But I was like, Oh man, like I could have been there playing like <laughs> kind of sucked, but I mean, wasn't, uh, just wasn't the plan, I guess. So is that what you kind of anchored through to get through it? Cause obviously you're, you're pretty young and obviously to have that taken away, it's got to affect you, but how did you kind of work through that instead of kind of going to a dark place and kind of just feeling bad for yourself? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, a lot of the guys were pretty supportive. Like, I kept in touch with most of the guys, like, over the course of the tournament when they were over there and stuff, and they were talking to me and saying how much they missed me and stuff. So that was, like, a big a big help, knowing that I actually was, like, 
missed by those guys and I wasn't just they kind of forgot about me so that was huge but then it also um allowed me just to have a big rest for the rest of the summer like I think I got a full like two months off almost or two and a half months off um so I just got to work out like get pretty strong and then come back um to Trinity like really excited to play volleyball again and like excited to compete and be back in a gym and stuff so that was that was a big big help for me nice yeah it's good to hear that you could kind of use that for for a positive change which was yeah good because like you said if you're competing at university and you go to these summer programs you're kind of playing year-round at a high level that there's not a lot of social time or rest time going on yeah exactly i know i've come back a lot of the summers like after provincial team or national team stuff and you kind of are like a little bit drained just because you're going non-stop for a whole summer right after your university season's over and then don't really get much of a break in between there and then you basically come home from national team and then are right back in the gym again so you don't really get a lot of break just to rest and kind of get your body right it's kind of nice getting that opportunity just just to chill for a little bit have a little break because that was kind of my first big break Nice. So with you being a fifth year guy, what's the plan? Have you had an opportunity to talk to agents or has anybody approached you? Like, are you looking to go overseas next year or are you going to the center? Like what's, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, definitely, um, talking with some teams over in Europe right now. Um, I have a, well, with the Trinity connection to Lundberg, um, have been talking with the coach. So figuring out, what uh what i can do there if that opportunity arises um but if not i've uh, had quite a few conversations with uh agents and whatever so i'm definitely going to try and keep playing for a couple years um yeah so that's i'm excited about that yeah you mentioned lundberg who deserves credit for setting that up because uh if, as we go down the list i think schreimer shearhorn uh kozlowski were there who was kind of the first guy who gave canadians a good reputation there do you know I think it was uh, Steve Marshall. Maybe he was he was the first guy I think to go to go there, or maybe Del Bianco. One of those two guys were the very first guys to end up there, um, and they like had very good seasons there. The coach really loved them, and then they slowly just kept recommending more and more guys, and it's kind of been a bit of a pipeline for them. And I, Ben and the coach there are pretty good, pretty good friends now. And they, they talk a lot. And he said, like, if you guys have, uh, have any players that are looking to play pro and start their pro careers, then send them on over. So I think, well, I'm, uh, maybe going to go there. Pierce might, might end up there as well. I'm not sure. I think Eric's, um, he has some other, other offers elsewhere, but yeah, I think we're, hopefully going to try and end up over there. So be pretty cool. Yeah. That sounds like a great opportunity. And it sounds like you guys have a good thing going because as we're learning, as we interview more people on the show, sometimes just hiring an agent can be an adventure, let alone what country league is better than the other or what agent knows what yeah. clubs are paying, where it sounds like you've had the inside track just by your, your affiliation with Trinity and some of the vets you can lean on for advice. Oh yeah. No, it's been awesome. Even having, if you have any questions, uh, just talking to some of those old guys and what their experience was and how they handled um, just the challenges of pro and whatnot. It's been very helpful talking to the guys who kind of paved the way way for us and made it a lot easier for us to get over there. So, 
Awesome. So we, we've taken a lot of your time. So just our, our last question as we look at the schedule here. You guys are on a bye week, and then it looks like Can West is ready for playoffs, right? So you guys will have a quarterfinal matchup and then a Final Four? Yeah, so we have our bye week this week, and then we have uh, uh, TRU uh, next week. Yeah, we start, we start our quarterfinal playoffs, and then they changed it actually two years ago, I think. Um, so we don't do a Final Four anymore. Um, they do, it's two separate weekends, so our, we'll have our semifinal the weekend after the quarterfinal, and then that's a best of three series as well, and then the final the following weekend, and that's just a one game, one game final, so. Nice, and I guess as an outside guy for not knowing the Canada West system, how do they work just the logistics of the two out of three, like say Winnipeg's playing uh, UBC, like how do they decide when you get those matches in is it a lot of travel on the same weekend no so it's all hosted um by the higher ranked team oh that makes a lot of sense so it, yeah usually the away team will come out um on the wednesday or thursday depending on when they play and then it's usually thursday friday saturday are the games or friday saturday sunday depending on what works with each team i guess so Wow, yeah. just when I thought the regular season could be tough enough trying to beat the same team twice in a row, you might have to beat them, play them three times in a row. That's that's a kind of a yeah. grinding schedule. Oh, yeah, that was us last year against uh, UBC. I think in our it was our quarter or our semifinal. Um, we ended up going to three with them. It was just, those are intense games. I mean, you're in the third, the third night. Um, after playing them two times in a row, you guys have each won a game and it honestly could go either way. So it was, they get pretty uh, pretty intense, that's for sure, on the third night. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thanks for taking the time and sharing all the details uh, you did. I, I learned a lot, and hopefully our listeners did as well. So good luck the rest of the season, and can't wait to see you representing Canada, and hopefully, with if it's not Lunenburg, anybody else, but uh, obviously an easy guy to root for. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me, and look forward to hearing from you in the future. So Awesome. Thanks again.